This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, you don't, even, be, you don't even say Evan's not here? Well, I was going to going to say today. No, you weren't going to get into it, I, I think. was No, I wasn't going to. We miss you, Evan. He's in Yonkers. Yonkers? Yeah, I think. What, who did he say? It was, it's Sir Richard Branson and I think Kevin Plank. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I think he's hanging out with some big boys. Too. Well, I think. We'll really, talk to him next time when he'll tell you what, what went on. He's going to give me the, uh, the Branson lowdown, man. Yeah, you want to go to the island, the private island? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we miss you, man. Today we begin with, uh, this is... <laughs> This yeah, is you know, we, we didn't the do this yet, but you know what? And I, I'm gonna—I have a little bit of like personal experience with this, in that when they opened the Barclays Center before it was open to the public, I went there and took a little tour, and I sat down in some of the front seats, and I thought the legroom was kind of close, and I said, "Gee, I wonder if Mikhail Prokhorov, who's like six foot five, six foot six, whatever," I'm like, "Can he sit here?" Like, and I touched off a little bit of panic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I really did. I touched off this panic, but in Boston. At the TD Garden, a couple of years ago or last year, they announced they were going to upgrade a bunch of stuff. Some of that was the seating. Well, guess what, Bar? Have you seen the pictures? You see, yeah, the, the like it's too close. The knees are too tight. People can't be comfortable in the seats. And at first, it didn't seem like the the folks at the Garden, which is, of course, Delaware North, owner of the Bruins, the Jacobs family, didn't seem like they were taking it all that seriously. And then there's this drumbeat of unhappiness <laughs> for Bruins and Celtics fans where there seems to be a problem that you just can't be comfortable in the seats. It's not enough room. It's like an airline. In other words, you're breathing your knees is what's happening. Is that what they say? You're breathing your knees? Yes. Yeah, you never yes. want to be compared to the airlines Yeah. <laughs> like if it comes to something like that. I mean, I, I feel bad. Yeah, kids will love it. You know, they, they won't have a problem. But if, yeah, you're, if you're under five feet, you're probably okay. Yeah, you're good to go. But, I mean, I'm seeing the photos and... And knees are cramped up, and legs are—you can't—you can't get any leg room. Yeah. The question now is: Is there sort of a fix for this that doesn't require ripping everything out? Because then you start saying, "All right, what's this going to cost?" When you know that's, of course, what they're saying right, right. now is, "We got to make this right." But what's this going to cost? After spending all this money, it was over hundred million dollars. The arena is about 23 years old, 24 right. years old, something like that. So they spent 100 mil to get all this done, and it included like a glass atrium, the new scoreboard, you know, things you do when you redo an arena. But you got to get the seats right. This is, I mean, it is tight. So good luck. I hope they get that ironed out. Well, I'm glad, like, not long ago, we were up in Boston this past weekend for a hockey tournament. And I yeah. was like, what else do I do? And one of those dads said, hey, the Bruins are playing. You want to go? I'm glad I said no. <laughs> Uh, moving along, MLB is changing its rules to allow investment funds to buy in the teams. This kind of is a companion piece that goes along with, uh, we talked about NFL teams changing their rules 
for the amount of money that well, you can Well, that'll be for the majority in. ownership. Yeah, right. the NBA, we had that sort of mysterious investment vehicle right. where they're trying to add liquidity to the limited partner market because the, the valuations are so high that it's hard to get out as a limited partner because oftentimes, you know, as we've said, you get no control, you don't get a ring, you, I mean, you don't get anything right. except the right to say, I own a piece of the team. So those often come at discounts and people are stuck. Uh, so now baseball is the latest. Uh, they didn't announce this, but they did change the rules to allow for uh, investment funds, and that could include college endowments, to take a piece of teams across baseball. And along with that change, then, you're going to see who's going to be sort of the first mover to capitalize. Turns out, uh, I think it's going to be next week's guest on the show, Sal Galatioto of Galatioto Sports Partners. He has created a $500 million fund, my sources are telling me. Uh, he's already got regulatory approval because you need to get regulatory approval from all the federal agencies, and he's going to be out there. He wants no more than 100 investors in the fund. Minimum in is a million dollars. So let's see who steps up and decides they want to uh, take part in this investment vehicle. By the way, others around the industry keep calling and saying, am I missing something? How do you make money with this thing? Somebody has to buy it from you. Theoretically, if there's a controlling stake sale, obviously it would be for more than what the LP stake went for. You could make money that way. But as you and I know, if we sit around waiting for controlling stake sales, we're waiting a long time. Um, other funds could come into existence. They could trade between the funds. Maybe that'll boost the valuation. Um, uh, just maybe as the market matures, as the fund matures, uh, you could sell into the secondary market and perhaps that boosts the value. But either way, this is not a quickie in and out. This is going to be a long-term investment for folks. Uh, the two-hour marathon. Uh, I, I'm kind of happy because uh, you ran a two-hour marathon. Uh, <laughs> I've watched it for two hours on TV. You watched Elliot Kipchoge do yeah, it. Yeah, I I didn't think it could be done. I didn't think it could be done either. But he did it. It's insane. Inside two hours. And the real running cognoscenti are well, you know, he had the Pacers. He had water being delivered by guys on bikes. He had a like. I don't care. Two I hours don't just care. Running. It's unbelievable. But for the business of sport, what do you think, Barr, this means for Nike? Because Kipchoge wears the Nike swoosh. He was wearing the Vaporfly shoe, which, by the way, like you and I can't go into Foot Locker and get this thing. It, it features some like a curved carbon fiber plate that propels you forward and Im- improves your performance 5-6%, which for a marathon is a big deal. But all coming at a time Alberto Salazar, you know, the Nike coach is suspended. They've shut down the Oregon project. This is some awful good news if you're to be associated with in the running world. Yes, Nike needed something like this. By the way, we should tell them where this happened, by the way. Where where did it happen? Vienna. Yeah, well, yeah, where he ran the two-hour inside two-hour. Closed course, yeah. I mean, perfect conditions. I mean, everything tailor-made, you had a tight wedge for drafting, you know, the wind resistance. So everything tailor-made for a runner to achieve the goal. And he tried before, and, and, he, and he failed. So, I mean, the sub-two-hour marathon, 26.2 miles in 159.40. Whew. I, I, you know what? I, it, that, it takes me that long to drive here to work. Yeah. And think about that entire time that he's running that pace. Oh, my goodness, man. But curious to see how how Nike and the running world responds and to see if it is sort of that feel-good boost that the company could use. And probably this has been one of the biggest sports stories so far this week. Uh, LeBron James 
the comments that he made uh, concerning Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey, uh, concerning all of the controversy uh, with China and Hong Kong, let's play you what he said. I don't want to get into a word, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, with Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on on, on the situation at hand, and um, and he spoke, and the, uh, the, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that too. Now, since that time, LeBron James has said that uh, the media has taken it out of context and uh, misconstrued what he said. Uh, he said I'm, he was talking about like maybe he could have waited a week knowing that players were going over there to play. Right. And that came after that first initial. Yeah. It, but having said all that, uh, it was pretty plain what, what I heard. I mean, I'm not... I don't. I, well, there I was backlash. There oh, was yeah. backlash he, in Hong Kong. Yeah. And, and by the way, LeBron burned, said I didn't burned see his it. Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And people were, you know, stomping on it and whatever. Years ago, let me know if you remember this. Do you remember Ira Nubel, the NBA player? That's okay. No. No, I don't. He was a teammate of LeBron's in Cleveland, and he had and and forgive me if the exact details escape me right now, but I mean he penned a letter uh, about Darfur. Okay, yeah. And every player on the team signed it except for LeBron. And I remember I wrote about it years ago, and I went out. Oh, I do remember And I went out to New Jersey before a playoff game, a Cleveland Nets playoff game. Back, you know, when, for for young, young, young listeners, the Nets used to play in New Jersey. Right. (laughs) Remember those days? Yeah, remember those days at the uh, Brendan Byrne Continental (laughs) Airlines Arena? Oh, weren't they special? Um, (laughs) Bruce Ratner and I used to ride the elevator down for him to talk to, like, nine season ticket holders. (laughs) Lovely. so I asked LeBron in sort of one of these media gaggles, and, and I don't think he saw it coming because, you know, what? I, like, hey, you're the only player on the team didn't sign it. And, of course, Nike, he's got lots of, of reasons right. to right. be careful about what he says and does. And his response was, I just don't understand it well enough. I have to educate myself. All these years later now, he's saying Daryl Morey, quote, wasn't educated. I'm not so sure that's true. Uh, I'm not so. I'm not so sure. Daryl Morey wasn't educated on what was I, going on. He, I, you know, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It, once you take any game global, does it make a difference whether it's the NBA or baseball, football, wherever, whatever it is? You have to keep in mind. It's a flat be, world. It, there, there exactly. are no. It's a flat world. There are no borders. LeBron, you say something. Daryl, you say something. This is basketball without borders is the, the way the NBA likes to express it. That's their saying. Yeah, well, the words do the same thing. And keep in mind, LeBron is 34 years old, right? right. 34. 35 in a couple of months. There's more basketball in his rearview mirror than looking ahead. Right. His future will not be on the basketball court. It's Nike. It's right. it's uninterrupted. It's, it's other off-court endeavors. Perhaps he is looking in that direction with his latest stance. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Scott Soschnick, and we miss you, Evan. I don't miss you. We're here each and every Monday. I sit next to him. I don't miss him. And Thursday, (laughs) exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.